listeners, you're listening actually to Ann and Peter Haig and On the Menu Radio, and um, we're hoping that your life right now is spicy and salty, because that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to start off with one of our most favorite people, Ori Zohar of Burlap and Barrel. Well, Ori Zohar, you're back. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ori, listeners, is a, pretty much a regular on, on the menu now. Now, Ori, we've talked a bit in the past about the Spice Club, uh, which is a, a grand idea, a grand idea. But you now have the whole package put together pretty much. Could you explain this and how it works and what all you get with it? Yeah, good, good to be here. Uh, for, for the uninitiated, uh, my name's Ori. I'm the co-founder of Burlap and Barrel, and we are a single-origin spice company. We work directly with smallholder farmers all around the world. We set them up as their own direct exporter, and so they get a much larger slice of the pie, and we get really fresh, really high-quality spices. It's the same reason why we all go to farmer's markets and kind of care where our chocolate and coffee and tea and all that stuff comes from. And so... What we always wanted to do is we had this idea, and honestly, like, I've been a member of the Rancho Gordo Bean Club yeah, for, I love for a long time, and I love them, and, and just love Rancho Gordo in general. And so we, we saw, like, it's, it's such a delight to receive a kind of curated uh, shipment of things to your house once a quarter. And so we said, let's do something also like that. We had a lot of people asking us for kind of the newest and best things and spices, and so what we did is we put together a quarterly box. It goes out in February, so coming up right now. It goes out in May, August, and November, four times a year. Everybody gets it at the same time. And it's this kind of like surprise box where you don't know what's in it. You find out what's in it as you open it. And we have four full-size jars of spices, usually three jars and one grinder, and then some kind of a collaboration product that we work with our friends on that is something that uses our product. So maybe it could be a spiced jam or maybe it's a spiced, you know, nut butter, or maybe a spiced honey or just something to kind of have a little fun extra goodie in there. Last one was a spiced uh, pancake mix. We had a, our friends at Long Table Pancakes make a black lime and cardamom pancake mix. I so the idea that is there's lime, a kind of fun way. box. Yeah. Oh, you do? I would love the black so. lime, yeah. Okay, no. we can get you some. No problem. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I guess you have a But that's the box. And then it comes in with, like, a little pamphlet of recipes written by our team, by our yeah, friends, Yeah, that you're going to explain farmers. a bit. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a new thing. Well, the grinder's new, too. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we recently, we, we had heard from a lot of people, what spice grinder should I use? What do you recommend? And we had all of these different spice grinders that we like, but the pepper mills can only handle peppercorns, and the mortar and pestles are nice, but they're heavy and kind of can smash things up, and the blade grinders all have their own kind of pros and cons. But we met the founders of a company called Finamil, and what's unique about them is that it is a pod-based grinding system. So you have this kind of handle that, that holds to the kind of batteries, and then you have pods that you snap into the handle, and then you can put the, each, each pot has a grinder at the bottom, and it's an electronic grinding machine. But what's really cool is that the pots can take a much more versatile amount of spices. They're really easy to snap in and out of the machine. And, you know, you can easily grind with one hand. So, like, it, it's so hard to, like, kind of cook and grind spices. Normally, right, if you exactly. want to crush the steak, yeah, you're using both hands on the grinder, then both hands on the steak, then both hands on the grinder. So this Finamil, yeah. we're really excited about it. We've been testing it for a little over a year, and it's just been a, a blast and, and, and become a really easy and intuitive thing for us to use. So we found a spice grinder that we just completely fell in love with. Can you spell that out, Ori? Yeah, sure. Finamil, F-I-N-A-M-I-L-L. And okay. we are carrying it on our site, and it's a little bit different than the regular Finamil. It's in a unique color. To us, we also designed the box with a bunch of other, like, recipes and ideas on the box itself, and we just made sure to include three AA batteries in there because, you know, we the, the worst thing to do is to get a machine that you're so excited about, and then you realize and you, you can't don't have the use batteries it. to actually start using it. <laughs> so, so we made our own kind of unique custom version in, a, in our own color and, and in our own packaging, which has been really nice. Well, you know, listeners, these these guys are always busy. I just say there's always something new. Um, 
jumping back to the Spice Club, I want to jump back to two things. One, the the club itself, because you need to um, tell people how to get on it and and um, and, and what all it comes what all comes with it, including your techniques. And I want to know about this techniques the uh, I call. Oh yeah, absolutely. So for the Spice Club, we, we always just try to make it be a fun surprise box. And so the idea is that I, you're, there's, it's for the people that want to kind of experience new spices. You don't get to choose them, but we do make sure that they kind of comply with as many of the allergy warnings as we can. And so what we try to just make sure that there's something for everybody. Sometimes we'll have honey in there, but really we try to keep it vegan as much as possible. But the idea is you're going to get these spices and... 3,000 other people are also getting them at the exact same time. And so we, we do this whole, we, we work for months on this, of working with our partner farmers, figuring out what we buy, bring it in, figure out spices that work together from all over the world and what the story is to tell. And then we include this beautiful and illustrated pamphlet with, you know, four to six recipes on what to do with the spices themselves. So it's this really nice box that comes in together and we have some appetizers and some main dishes and some desserts and all that. And so we have no spoilers. We can't tell you what's coming in the box that's going out in February. But by around Valentine's Day, people will have all gotten the box. So, so we will share online what was in the box and kind of – and then make all the stuff available for people on our site to pick up themselves. Ori, can you give us an example of, of the last one? I mean, I, I know you can't give the secret away for the current one, but what – what, what was in the last box, just to give listeners an idea? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. I, we had, just to give you even like a sense of, uh, we, we, in the last one, we did a really fun one that was uh, the Panimir cinnamon quills, so these Sri Lankan cinnamon quills. We had a new harvest of our star anise. Um, we had our, our uh, lemongrass that was a brand new launch that we had never come up before. And then we had this really awesome... Um, the, the the pancake mix that you're really excited about here. I'll tell you through. And then, oh, we had one more that was really fun. We had the mesquite powder, which unlike yeah, the mesquite wood what is that, that we know for smoking, yeah, this is instead of the wood better itself, than the pimenton for getting a smokiness? So I'll tell you, instead of the wood, which is normally what you burn stuff on or use mesquite chips to impart a beautiful smoky flavor, this is the fruit of the mesquite tree. And it's a really wonderful tree. It's hardy. It grows well. It helps prevent soil erosion and all that. But what's really oh, nice yeah. is that the fruit of it is like somewhere between like cacao and like, I don't know, like in cinnamon. Like it's somewhere, it, it gives you this kind of like really sweet kind of wonderful aroma and flavor to things. And so we've been using it in place of like in, hot, in place of hot chocolate and brownies and all kinds of sweets as this kind of thing that, that almost can act a little bit as a flower, but also mostly acts as a kind of beautiful flavoring, you know, agent. So, so that was a brand new thing. we never cocktail. heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it would be really wonderful in a sweet cocktail. So every time, so before that, we had a spice club where we launched um, our red turmeric, a really carroty turmeric from Vietnam, and we had launched our Selena Crystal Salt from a father and daughter team in upstate New York. And we had a new harvest of cured sumac and cloud forest cardamom. And we also included a, a kelp soap in it. <laughs> that was our fun little bonus. Wow. That was back in uh, a year ago in February. So you're selling so adventures we, too, kitchen adventures, huh? Yeah, it's the idea that it's for that cook that wants to get a kind of mystery box into their kitchen and get to know some new ingredients and some new spices and find ways to incorporate it into their cooking. And so the surprise is fun. The mystery is fun. You can always, you know, just wait. If you don't like these kinds of surprises, just wait a few weeks and you'll see what was in it and you can choose if you wanted to pick it up or not. But that's kind of the idea of the Spice Club. It's this kind of fun subscription box that every three months you get a new shipment of all kinds of goodies onto your, onto your front porch and you can kind of get to know some new spices. And we really try to make it fun and interesting and make sure there's at least some new things that you definitely don't have in your kitchen already in each box. That's for sure. <laughs> Or, or re, remind me of the of the spice. I think it came from Nigeria. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We have a spice called Iru. We haven't ever put that oh, in yeah. the spice club box, but it's really wonderful. This Iru it's has good. largely been kind of phased out by like big corporations like Nestle coming in and offering bouillon cubes. But it's the fermented oh, no. bean of the locust tree, 
and it, it's kind of like salty and savory and umami. It's almost like a mushroomy flavor. And we worked with a uh, kind of food writer and activist, Tunde Wei, to import that and to bring it in for the first time. And it's a really interesting spice, and it's really wonderful when you start cooking with it, especially for vegetarian and vegan. It just adds a really nice savoriness to any dish that it's in. Okay, we've been using it as a secret going ingredient. In my, going, in my view, going in my view bogus for dinner tonight. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, you gave it away then, Rob. Well, I just, I just, just put in a few. Because I always say to him, what is it that's in this? It's so good. <laughs> oh, really? Is that, is yeah. that your secret well, I'm ingredient? A, I'm a sneak thief. I, 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 I use the ones I feel like. I don't tell anyone what they're going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She gets to be surprised in a nice way. Although our very first one that we that I did this with was was the Zanzibar black peppercorns. Oh, you love those! Oh. I, know. Yeah. I love those. And too. you yeah. also did it with those um, uh, something uh, paradise. What were those? The grains of paradise. Grains of paradise. West it of sounds winter. to me like you're just uh, really enjoying a lot of uh, spices that come from the African continent. It sounds like that's uh, maybe for you, for the two of you. There's a a, a shared love there. Because from Zanzibar, <laughs> the grains of paradise from Ethiopia. You're right. You're, you're right. From Nigeria. I, I didn't realize the pattern. You're right. <laughs> that's that's your spirit cuisine. Um, but that's, I think that's hopefully the idea that we try to do with the spices, you know, now is like New Year's resolutions and everyone's trying to cook more after traveling and eating and all that stuff, all the holidays. And so we're really happy to like the spices end up being this like secret ingredient that maybe takes even like a ho-hum dish, maybe that, you know, when you've made a million times before, we like to just say, Hey, try some oregano buds on there. Try some iru on there. Try some chili flakes on there in different ways and see in which directions it takes you. But it's a really fun way to kind of reinvent your cooking in the new year. You know, is the pamphlet that you send out with the spices the same thing as your online cookbook with the techniques? So, no. We always do like a fun and unique pamphlet for the Spice Club based off of okay. whatever, whatever is, you know, going in the Spice Club. So it will always be custom based on, on that. But what we also did is we put out, we had a lot of people asking us about how to cook more with spices, and that's good that you bring it up because this is also a perfect kind of New Year's resolution and cooking more in the New Year's product. But what we did is we just wrote a kind of soft cover pamphlet called From Grind to Garnish, where we laid out 13 techniques for cooking with spices. So just the idea of, like, how do I cook more with spices? Is it at the beginning, at the middle, at the end? Am I infusing? Am I garnishing? Am I using it in, in spice paste. We just wanted to kind of walk you through all the different techniques. And the last page is this, like, tear-out, fold-out page that you can even stick it onto your fridge that shows all 13 of the techniques with this, like, beautifully oh, really? illustrated designs going next to all of them. So we're selling so it for you get that online, on the site. Yeah, tell people how to get it. On the site. Exactly. You can go onto our site, but what we also did is on burlapandbarrel.com, you can get it by itself and add it to any order. But what we also like to do is we have our fundamentals collection, which is six, nine, or 12 of the fundamental spices that we think every home cook should have in their kitchen. And those fundamentals collections also come with a techniques book on top of it. Well, that's interesting. And do you have any kind of a... Uh, in a way, but I don't know what you call this. Um, I know a, a number of other uh, sites and products I have like a forum where um, the users can communicate with each other, you know, hacks and whatnot. I mean, do you yeah. have that set up for site for the spices? Yeah, so we have that also. So on Facebook, if you are a Facebook member, um, yeah. We definitely have this group called the Spice Forum, the Burlap and Barrel Spice Forum on Facebook. We have close to 8,000 members at this point, which is really cool. And part of it was like everyone is asking us about recipes and how do I cook and how do I do this and that. And we said, you know what? We can't keep up with all this. Why don't we have our, our, our customers just tell, tell one another? Exactly. So we invited everybody to join the Spice Forum on Facebook. And it turns out that not only are there a bunch of really incredible home cooks in there, but some of the chefs that we work with are in there. Some of the spice farmers are in there. And so it's a really cool community to be able to kind of both share what you're cooking and share inspiration with others, to get advice, to get tips, to make requests and all that. And so that's been really, really fun was to just have this kind of online place where 
I think that a lot of the four members, their families are so tired of hearing them talk about spices and cooking and all that. And the forum is just the place to do that because there's just a lovely audience that's just ready to listen and learn and applaud and, and all of that. So the forum's been really a magical place online. One of the few positive places on Facebook, you know? Yeah, how do you, uh, how do you get on? I mean, I, Facebook has so totally screwed up what I get um, and whatever gets referred to me. You know, they yeah, them. yeah. If you yeah, just I type didn't... in Spice Forum or even if you type in Burlap and Barrel, into Facebook, yeah. and our, our name is so B-U-R-L-A-P-A-N-D-B-A-R-R-E-L. So Burlap and Barrel. Um, if you do any of those, you should be able to come across our Spice Forum on Facebook um, and, and, or even on our site. We link to it from our site as well. So it's, it, it should be pretty straightforward to find. And it's just this fun thing that we, don't, we can only anticipate some of the questions, but there's some people that have very specific questions, and we want to make sure that we can have a good a clear answer. And there's some people that just, I mean, they've, they've been cooking certain cuisines their whole lives. They've been cooking with certain ingredients their whole lives. And they're a much better person to answer your questions about it than we would be. That's interesting. Yeah, um, it's, it's really a community. I mean, you're building a real, a, a pretty full um, giving community um, with burlap and barrel. That, that's, that's part of the goal to just... Yeah, then that's what we want to do is, like, if you have questions about spices, if you want to learn, if you have ideas, if you want to get into a new cuisine, if you want to find some ingredients that you haven't ever cooked before, like, we want to be the, the headquarters for all of that and make it easy and accessible for you to come in and, and, and explore and explore our, our world of spices and flavors. And in general, cooking with spices is a healthy thing because you're learning to build flavor with, with this, like, incredible palette of different ingredients and leaves and roots and seeds and all of that and barks, but, but without any added salt, sugar, or fat. I'm still, I love salt, sugar, and fat, but those are not the only, you know, <laughs> colors that we can create, uh, you know, flavor with. Yes. Um, something I wanted to ask you about is, yeah, some of these mystery spices, uh, can you clear up? Remember, I wrote to you about the za'atar. You've got some new spices in your um, arsenal, and one of them is za'atar, which is probably one of my most favorite spices to, to cook with. It's really wonderful in beets, by the way. Did you know that? Oh no, Never I didn't. Try it on beets. Try it. <laughs> try it. But anyhow, um, I get confused about is it a blend? And this is a, a customizable blend all the time. It's, there's also a, a particular plant, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that's, you're, tell, you're completely correct. So first of all, I have a really exciting news, but we're just about a few weeks away from relaunching Azatar. And oh. what's really special about this is that we're calling it our, uh, under a series of origin blends that we're starting. A big part of what we do is work with our partner farmers. We want to drive as much value at origin. So the more the partner farmer does, the more they are able to kind of make from not just growing the spices, but can they also grind it and dry it and sort it and prepare for export. Now we're saying, can you also blend it? Because there are some countries that we work with farmers growing a number of spices. So we're now saying, hey, we can drive even more value at origin if the partner farmers are also in charge of blending the spices. And we're able to do that instead of working with companies in the U.S. to do that. So we're bringing back our za'atar. We, we met a, a kind of wonderful family outside of Janine, and they're growing the za'atar and all the components and bonding them all together for us. But to answer your question on this, za'atar is confusing because it is both the name of the leaf, the herb za'atar, and the blend za'atar. And what's even more confusing is that everybody has their own blend of it. So you'll That's find many za'atars throughout the Middle East in different proportions, there's even red za'atars that kind of use like a bulgur wheat instead of the, the, the herb. But the components of a classic traditional za'atar is za'atar the leaf, which is kind of this like hyssop, thyme, oregano kind of leaf. It's an herb in between all of them that's native to that region. It's salt sometimes, always mm -hmm. sesame seeds, and sumac, which we also yeah. carry, the sumac, the sour, tart, and kind of puckery thing. So... Mm -hmm. Most of the time, za'atar is referring to the blend. It can also refer to the leaf, but you'll have a much harder time finding the leaf itself in the U.S. And so the za'atar that we know and love is usually just a blend composed of the za'atar leaf, the sumac, the sesame seeds, 
and sometimes a little bit of salt on there too. Wow, it's very good. I mean, I I find it 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 perks up just about anything you're thinking of cooking. I think. But, yeah, yeah, and it's it's classic. I mean, in throughout the Middle East, you'll find it on top of hummus and and on top of other kind of different dips. You'll find it a lot on breads. So you'll have like maybe a flat bread with za'atar sprinkled oh, on yeah, top right. halfway through the baking. Um, but I just I just like it on everything. Just put in a little bit of Me olive oil, the bread in <laughs> I it. I do too. And use it as a chicken rub or a meat rub. It's it just it's really wonderful. <laughs> Uh, tell me this. I mean, with all this um, interruption of, of um, sourcing, I mean, have you run into any problems? You know, it, we we've run into a lot of problems. It's the the one nice thing about the pandemic was that like agricultural sectors were still allowed to keep going, so a lot of the farm workers were able to keep working, keep making their living, and, and feeding the rest of us as we need to do. So so even so, there were small little carve outs. And it was really nice that the agricultural industry was able to keep going, plus it's a lot of outdoor work with some distance. And so so we did have a lot of different disruptions, and so we did a few things. We started sourcing more locally within the U.S., because even if the farmers are working and doing their thing, maybe you can't get space on a boat, exactly. or maybe the trucking company isn't working, or maybe like there are all these other questions along the way where things could get stuck. But we really are, are just working on getting the new shipment of the wild mountain cumin from Afghanistan because the day that the cumin arrived at the airport to Kabul, uh, the Taliban took over. And so the first thing that we did was we just sent our partner farmers there all the money, full payment for it, because we figured they could make use of the money in there, especially during a, what ended up being an upcoming turbulent time and still is. And yeah. then we've been working with folks to get the cumin out of the country. And we can't do it by air because all the airports are closed or run by government and military and, run, and are needed for humanitarian aid. And so we ended up trucking the cumin to Uzbekistan, one of the neighboring countries. And from there, we were able to get it on a flight to kind of land in the U.S. And so now we're just finally processing that. But Afghanistan has always been a challenging supply chain yeah. and it's always hard to get things out from there. But with the Taliban taking over, it just became exponentially harder. And we never wanted to put our spices on any kind of transportation vehicle that could otherwise be used for getting people that needed to be transported out of there. So we just sat tight. We waited. Really and eventually great. we found a way to truck it into Uzbekistan and move it from there. And so we are really happy that we are able to get the new harvest of cumin but there is still an ongoing humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan. And so, yeah, I mean, I, every that, time I read about it, it sounds to me like it can't get any worse, and then it turns around and gets worse. Yeah, I, yeah. And I, I hear people are literally starving to death. Now, Ethan yeah. has relatives there, right, your partner? Yeah, that's right. That's right. His, his in-laws are, are all come from an Afghan family, and, and some are still there, but, but most of them were able to get out. Um, oh, well, as things good. were kind of picking up and becoming more dangerous. Now, so, but we are glad that we're able to bring it, but we also just want to like have people have more of a connection between the mm -hmm. food that they eat and that they love. Like yeah. if you love our cumin, it's because it grows wild in northern Afghanistan and because foragers hand pick it from the wild. And so we just want to reiterate the connection between the food, what we eat, what we love, how we kind of our sustenance and the people behind and responsible for it. And so hopefully that will help people just think a little bit more about where it's coming from, why it tastes so good, and what we can do to support those people that are, that are there working with backbreaking labor to help get us the food that we eat. Well, listeners, I mean, if you're listening to this, I mean, you have to understand what a responsible company it is. And, what, and, and it's, it's really a blessing for for people to be able to work with a company like um, Burlap and Barrel. Um, I'm, I'm just constantly amazed, Ori, about all the stuff that you do, to tell you the truth. It's just well, no, I, I appreciate it, and we're, we're, we've been even working on, um, Ethan, my co-founder's wife, has started a nonprofit working on getting illustrated children's books in a handful of languages spoken by the people in Afghanistan that are now uh -huh. getting resettled here in the U.S., if, oh, yeah. if, even if you are able to get out, you still have a very long journey ahead exactly. of you to kind of get into the fabric of day-to-day -day life in the U.S. here. So we've been, we've been working on also donating to them and, and helping, you know, promote this production 
So that if you're a little kid and you're in a strange new place for the first time in your life, oh, yeah. that, that you can at least have some resources and some wonderful people and things around you during that time. Well, for those who want to get on your newsletter, listeners, this newsletter is so full of information. I'm actually, it's one of the few newsletters I love getting <laughs> online when I open my inbox. Uh, how do you... Uh, just go to your website and sign up for the newsletter, Marie. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, so check us out at burlapandbarrel.com. Uh, from there, you'll be able to see at the bottom of our homepage, you can sign up for the newsletter, or just if you get involved with us in any way and, and get in, email us, ask us questions, talk to us, all that. We're, we're always around and happy to chat more about this, but we really try to not email you about sales or promotions or any stuff like that, but actually in our newsletters talk about where spices come from, and why does it matter, and what makes them taste good, and how to cook with them, and all kinds of other special things that we hope will kind of help you eat a little bit better and and kind of come from a sustainable and equitable supply chain. Well, listeners, I mean, I I think that they're probably one of the best companies I've ever come in contact with in doing this podcast for almost 20 years now. So um, do it, and and you won't regret it for a minute. Ori, as always, we just love having you, and um, I worry that you don't get enough sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too, but it's it's exciting, and it's fun, and it's interesting. And I really appreciate that you you continue to have me on and and get to kind of invite me to share the story. And for any of the listeners, if if you – Tell me that you came from this podcast right in the notes in the referral section that you came from this podcast. Let us know, and we'll do our best to, to throw in an extra goodie or something in your, in your order as long as we can catch it on time. But please, let us know. We'd love to hear from you, too. Okay. Ori, again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk soon, huh? Okay, really good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. And next up, we have a, a concept that I, that I didn't know anything about. And uh, I hope that you find it intriguing as well as I did. We're going to be talking uh, to um, a, a woman and who has a company, this is a Suko Boyd, called Pairing Salts. It's a whole concept that I never even knew existed. Asuko Boyd really interested in understanding the concept of your company, which is called Pairing Salts. Um, you have a lot of story to tell me. I mean, you can tell me how it got started. You've lived on a couple of continents. Um, you're now in Center City, Philadelphia, which is my old stomping ground. <laughs> tell, bring us up to speed on pairing salts. What started sure. it? What's the concept? So um, I will start backwards in that um, pairing salts was an idea that was created in 2018. We started by working on the patent aspect of it and then brought it into retail um, in 2019. Unfortunately, COVID oh, hit, yes. us, hit us all, <laughs> but that was actually... Um, if there was one, it was an opportunity for us to slow down a little bit, and we were able to create a brand extension of our pairing salts chips. So now we have two lines, which are our meal starters and our chips. Um, and the intention there initially yeah, well, how did was relate. I, I was a little confused about that. In fact, uh, they're they're unique audiences, but the, the the idea again is the same: is that initially the meal starters began because coming into culinary, uh, what I noticed was that a lot of people perceive good food to be either too expensive or it's um, one of those uh, things that you can't really do for yourself, um, and it's intimidating. And I felt, like you mentioned, having traveled – 
for several years prior to in a different career and also just because of my own personal background that food doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be good. And what does good mean? And so taking what I learned in culinary and also just my own experiences of having a bicultural background, I applied a lot of what I thought would be simplifying that food concept um, and also pairing it where, where possible with, uh, with wine. And that was the concept for our meal starters. And as we worked with that and elaborated on it, we realized that even though it produces a good meal, again, in America, not everybody has the time to sit and make the meal. So we still wanted to push that idea of good food forward. And that's where we came up with the concept of snacks because, in fact, the trend now is that everybody is having smaller meals. Um, Snack time is certainly one of those things that we all love here in the States and chips by far. And also when it comes to um, beer, it's not necessarily just beer, but it's, it's Philadelphia being a craft town. That was what was inspirational to us for the chips. Um, but also the idea is that it's the taste of both food and beverage. So without getting too food nerdy about it, um, it's really about combining sweet, savory, salty, spicy, um, and bitter in in a way that makes it uh, balanced. So the, these are the salts, packets of uh, um, spicing, seasoning salts. So those are the meal starters. And then also for the chips, it's yeah, the so. same idea, is that if you eat chips, you'll usually have something to drink with it. And again, in America, it's common to to have it with um, salty snacks or, you know, a, usually perceived as a beer snack or uh, with sodas or with juice or something because of the sodium content. But right. again, for, from our perspective, we wanted to go outside of that area of just being salty because we felt like, you know, in in terms of taste, there are many. So it's not just salty. And you, you actually even see it in the chip market now where there are brands that, um, long-established brands that are actually moving outside of that and doing what they consider unique flavors. So dill pickle or uh, they're bringing in international flavors like kimchi. Um, both and, of which I love. I, mean, I, I, I will drink the, <laughs> uh, the juices of um, kimchi. I mean, I, I just love it. And um, yeah, so they're they're tasty, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's great. But and it stimulates appetite what, too. You're right there too. Absolutely. But what we also wanted to do there is not just to create a flavor that everybody already knew and may or you know like or dislike. But what our pairing salts allow for is that depending on what you pair it with, and by pairing it's simply having it with it. It's not, you know, overly, um, it's, it's not overly thought out. You don't have to have it with beer again. But if you have it with something like orange juice, there's acid in orange juice that may amplify something like a kimchi taste. So it amplifies the salt in the kimchi or for the dill pickle, it may actually amplify the sour. So it becomes a less um, desirable flavor. Whereas for our pairing salts, the, the magic behind that is that it's not necessarily one flavor. It's just many different tastes. If that you know, I tried, if it's I tried um, just right out of the, the little container on my mm-hmm. finger tasted it and it tasted kind of salty so i was very cautious when i put it on my soft boiled eggs this morning and 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 i would have increased the amount i put on because it wasn't as salty on on the food right right yeah so so you have to experiment with it absolutely and that's that's the part where uh you know we're we're trying to 
get that to be part of our marketing, and that's been one of the more, I guess, one of the challenges that we've faced is that um, the the food culture in the states isn't yet at that point where people want to necessarily experiment a lot, or if you if you talk about it in terms of tastes, um, it's it's not quite as known. Mm-hmm. As it may be in Europe or say in Asia, where people yeah, I mean, talk what, about savory. What led you to this idea? Um, I think again, it was partly it was partly that I was new to culinary and I was looking really to figure out my own niche. And I had come from a product um, development background. And it was actually something very, very separate. It was, it was in, um, information systems. Okay. And <laughs> a little bit, a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> very different. But what that did is that had given me the ability to travel. And what I found was that every time I traveled to a country for work, I was always really intrigued by the food and the food mm-hmm. culture and just how it brought everything together for me as well as just sharing a meal with new colleagues, whether you could speak the language or not. There was just a lot going on there that, that was interesting and exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, over time, again, when I went into culinary, I had first thought that I would do something very traditional and either, you know, I was my intention was to start a catering business. But what I found there was that, again, not everybody was, um, I guess, uh, wanting to to experiment as much as I did with the food. They, it was almost like it was intimidating for some, um, and I wanted to take some of that away. So I wanted to make food a little bit more approachable for everybody, because again, I had had such such a great love for food and I wanted to uh, selfishly create more of a food culture in the States again as compared to Europe and and Asia and yeah well yeah it's getting there I mean honestly when I first started reviewing restaurants I can tell you we were much further away from it than we are now a hundred percent, absolutely, and and again, that's where I think one of the positives of of COVID um, is that there there was a, a lot of devastation. I mean, in terms of food insecurities, illness, and all that. And I don't Horrible. want to take away from from that. Yet, it did slow everybody down, mm-hmm. and food became front and center again. So, something as simple as sharing a meal being able to share a meal, being able to have, you know, something to look forward to. And, you know, cooking, I think, came back. Um, Mealtime intrigue about what we're eating, um, again, became something that people started gravitating towards. Um, and it became, I think a lot of people were inspired also in that when they took the time to, to cook, they made some really fabulous things. Now, and do I have this really right that town. where where do you start with um, your um, the um, the pairing salts? I mean, is it like you start with what you're going to cook and just use what you've mixed together as the total seasoning for that dish, or do you start with what you're going to drink with the dish you made? Uh, we t- we tried to allow for both. So for those that wanted to start with um, the wine, or again the the flavor profile of the wine, um, they can certainly do it that way. Because in restaurants, what we've often found, and I don't I don't abide by that, is that people will choose the food and then the wine. But because you can't really change the, the the flavors of the wine, it should be the reverse. So you can do it that way, or again, because people so don't. So you think you should start by ordering what you feel like drinking? In in a restaurant, I think that's typically the way it should should happen when you're really? you know tasked with with trying to pair something, because 
there there are a lot of nuances in the meal that will impact the wine. Again, we're talking about a really, you know, like overtly, uh, an overt definition of pairing. Right. But, I mean, yeah. What do you think, Ravis? I mean, would you order the wine first? No. But that that doesn't make me correct. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think... I think again, it's, it's the, the nuances of pairing come out in what other flavors are in there. So, a lot of people say red with red. So, if you have a steak, people are naturally inclined oh, to drink yeah, it with red. However, right, because the sauces could be very different. Oh sure. Or yeah. the weight of the red. But again, this is this is something that you know is just my own personal take on it. However, for the salt. What we wanted to do is, again, to profile the 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 things that you want to eat as a as a consumer. So, if you want to start with, um, you know, a white protein and drink it with a red, then this is the way that you, these are the the tastes, these are the seasonings that you would want to use. And by seasonings, again. For a Pinot Noir, we have Hatch Chili, which is a little bit of spice. Uh, we have Tamarind, which is sweet. And we have our Urfa Bieber, which is just adds a little bit of depth. And what that does is, again, it balances out the flavors of the Pinot and make it less, um, I guess, it's, it becomes a little bit more fruit-forward and a little heavier in terms of body so that you can... You can certainly have it with the steak, or you can even have it with fish, because. So your market is strictly the home cook, right? Correct. Yeah, and um, this is the only thing somebody needs preparing a meal is just open up one of these starters. (laughs) Exactly. So everything that I just spoke to you about, we try not to. We try not to. You know put that onto the consumer unless they ask for it, but that, that's the basic <laughs> idea, right? There's a lot behind it. We tried to keep it very simple by just designating the wine and adding, telling them, you know, the spices for it, and there you go. Just You just need one, one sachet of the spices, and anything you cook with it will balance out, and you don't even need to have the wine, in fact. Again, that was that was the additional piece for creating one of these restaurant quality meals that we felt was something that we would like all consumers to be able to feel comfortable with and be inspired by. Well, just give us a just suppose. Describe one of your products and and how you would go about using it. Sure. Um, I will tell you my favorite, and it was it was sort of one of those discoveries that I made because we were doing R and D, and we tend to you know R and D the bejeebers out of things just by trying it on everything and every permutation, every cooking technique to see what's best for recommendations. And the Chardonnay salts, um, we we worked with it, and again trying to keep the the applications really simple to basic everyday meals, I made a hamburger out of it. And it was absolutely, I mean, for me, it's one of my go-tos now. So a hamburger with the, with the Chardonnay mix. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And what's and, in that and mix? I, uh, in the Chardonnay is shallot, black cardamom, and ginger as, as the base. Huh. I've never so, thought that. <laughs> right, but what it does is it it adds a little bit of sweetness to it. It has a um, a little bit of savory through the ginger, um, and what I then found was it actually impacted my desire for Chardonnay as well, because really? <laughs> Chardonnay isn't my my go to. But I found that it it took away some of the aspects of the Chardonnay that I didn't always care for. So I didn't really like the, the sort of the, the tropical fruit flavors that you sometimes get or the sweetness. 
Um, we try cast and uncast. So for the the typically buttery flavors, it uh-huh. lessened it a little bit. Um, for the ones that were a little bit brighter, it again balanced it so it didn't it didn't spike in terms of how citrusy it became. Um, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent of being a food geek, which my team has constantly warned me not to do. So I'll just reel back by saying that that is that the basis of the pairing salts is really that it's also it's it's part inspiration, it's part experimentation. And well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a lot of I can't even imagine how much R and D you have put into this product. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a bit, there's a bit, but you know what? The beauty of that is it's it's really exciting for us because mm-hmm. we're hoping once it catches on, that it will make everybody's everyday a lot simpler. And that people yeah. will become much more excited about about food and cooking and eating. Now, who who's the other? You're talking about as if there's another person involved in this. Who who who? There there are a few. So, okay. uh, if we talk about a breakdown, I think what you're asking about is who are the other people that are R and Ding. So originally there were four of us who started uh, working on the concept. And all of us are chefs. Interestingly, uh, one of them is a pastry chef and brought oh, interesting. a really, yeah. yeah, a really, really different perspective. I mean, we all do food at some level, but the nuances of the spices that she chose to use were quite unique to, to us as savory chefs. Within the savory chefs as well, everybody also had a little bit of a signature style, whether it was from their cultural upbringing or their own, you know, professional experiences, um, and also just the way that they approached it. So um, for myself, I lean into uh, more of the flavors that I, I have come to know from uh, having lived abroad in Southeast Asia and also mm-hmm. my background as a Japanese-American. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another chef who has been in R&D. So he was always, or he, he is always pushing the limits of mm. what types of combinations and bringing in, you know, things like Urfa Beaver, which most people aren't aware of. But what is it? Urfa Beaver. So it's, it's I guess... There, it's a Turkish pepper. Oh, okay. But the taste profile is is pepper. It's something that you would be familiar with, mm-hmm. because in in the states we we use black pepper, ground pepper. In China, it's Sichuan peppercorn. I mean, they're all they're all slightly mm-hmm. different, but. Well, you know that um, burlap and barrel does a lot of sourcing from farmers in Asia and Southeast Asia, and yes. they get a lot yes. of unusual peppercorns, for example. Yeah, they're, they're they're amazingly diverse pepper plants. I mean, they, now tell me, you would advise people. But what is your website? I mean, I'm thinking that we should direct people to your website to learn more <laughs> about this. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. It's www.pairingsalts.com. Pairing. And you have um, on there, do you have um, like directions for how to start, we start using them? We have directions for cooking and then for each um, product, we typically give recommendations of what um, ingredients to use for the dish and also uh you know, tasting notes, if you will, if you wanted to pair it with wine or beer. Interesting. Well, it's a whole new place to experiment with <laughs> in your, for the home cook, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, so, um, Oscar, I think you're having a fun time doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been great. It's I, a I, lot I of hard work, I think, too. It is, but again, my hope is that for for the work that we're putting into it, that it will translate into something much simpler for the home cook to be able to enjoy all of that excitement that we're experiencing as well. 
Have you come across a company called Oomph? O O M P H. Check it out. Check okay. It. It's 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 not salt, but it's um, it's a similar concept. And, and Excellent. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. So we we went through a whole case of that. I think it was. Oh wow. Well, what so, was what was what was interesting? Well, I mean, there there are different mixtures of um. Of, of, yeah, you you would call it. I think you would call it a flavor enhancer. Flavor enhancer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but you're supposed That's to use this to with whatever going, you're cooking. Going, it doesn't have going, the wine component or the beer component. Yeah. But. And it's going way beyond salt as well. Uh-huh. So, nice. So, Very nice. So, yeah. I just play with it. I just play with it. I have such a lot of fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> those, those are actually words that we also use for ours in that it it is to enhance the taste. Mm-hmm. Of whatever you're you're doing. Um, Great. Well, um, I'd, I'd like to say more about the chips, but our son, who's grown and should know better, took them away. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I had some, I'm but sure the, I didn't get to eat. I mean, I had a bag of them, but I didn't get to eat that much of them. <laughs> Excellent. But they were well, crispy. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy. You no, know, they're they're crispy and, and good from what I had. So oh, well, anyhow, you. thank you for talking to us about this. It certainly I've been interested in the concept since we started talking. And uh, well, I and, appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. All right, bye. Just about wraps it for another uh, week. <laughs> and so uh, I guess what we say we say next time, same time, same place. Until till then, bye bye.